Goosebumps, number 34, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes by R.L. Stein. Keep off their grass. Someone's been stalking in my garden. Two pink flamingos, a whole family of plaster skunks. Joe Burton's dad loves those tacky lawn ornaments. But then he brings home two ugly lawn gnomes. And that's when the trouble starts. Late at night, when everyone's asleep. Someone's creeping in the garden, whispering nasty things, smashing melons, squashing tomatoes. No way two dumb old lawn ornaments could be causing all the trouble, is there? Listener beware, you're in for a scare. Nice kids. They're gonna love Dark Falls. Matthew Scott Montgomery. Hi, I'm Daniel Montgomery, and welcome to Welcome to Deadcast, the, the Goosebumps, Goosebumps podcast. podcast. Today we are speaking about Goosebumps number 34, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. By Erster. And let's get into it now. Yeah, let's do it, do it, to it. Let's talk about this cover. Can you tell the listeners that a fun piece of trivia about this cover? Yeah, so um, we're talking about the original cover that was issued in... August 1995. Now, this book came out in August 1995. It, there was, it was reprinted in 2004 with the same image that I'm about to describe and give you fun trivia about um, with different colors. And then it was a different cover was drawn for like the, the re-re-release. And then there's also a sequel to this book for Goosebumps Most Wanted number one, which came out in 2012, called Planet of the Lawn Gnomes. Anyway, I thought I'd just give you all that. That's boring trivia. Um Interesting trivia, at least for me. T. Jacobus, Tim Jacobus, the guy who paints all the original Goosebumps covers um, and illustrates them. Uh, this was the only cover that he did that did not make it past the censors. The people at Scholastic, Scholastic said no. They thought it was too inappropriate because the cover shows two lawn gnomes um, sitting in kind of like um, uh, next to like a plaster or ceramic like deer lawn gnome with two pink, pink flamingos and then like deer a deer lawn ornament deer lawn ornaments what did i say you said deer lawn gnome oh <laughs> um deer lila is the deer's name that's right and then like a mystical glowing crystal ball atop a, a little platform amongst greenery on a pedestal and with a baseball on the ground presumably in a yard or on in a lawn on a lawn in a lawn anyway sure um uh, just because uh, these are some mischief-making gnomes that we's about to talk about today, um, T. Jacobus thought it would be fun to have one gnome kind of slouchy and giving you kind of face, and the other one had his finger stuck up his nose, just picking his nose. And the, so rude. So rude. And that's what everyone at Scholastic said. They thought that was too rude, so he had to redo the cover. So he trickily... Pulled some tricks, and if you look at the cover right now, of the original cover, you can Google it, or if, if there's any lucky of you of those, those of you listening lucky enough to have an original copy of this, it's the one of the gnomes has a finger like just placed next to his eye instead of shoved up his nose and kind of a pondering, kind of pointless expression. Yes, I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, pretty I thought cute. that was fun. Tell us, tell us what colors the, the, the book features. The colors of this book are orange and then a bright mustard yellow. Um, yeah, it's pretty cute. Yeah, I remember, I remember reading this book as a kid before I, before I read it for the first time thinking, this is going to be one of my favorite books because it's orange is my favorite color. And so the fact that orange was on it and then it was like gnomes, I don't know. I thought it would be like fun and cool. But I remember looking at this cover too thinking, this is going to be one of Matthew's favorite books <laughs> because it's orange. It's actually not one of my favorites. You, I just, you I, know, I, I enjoy this book. Yeah. It's just been tarnished and ruined by the TV episode. Yeah, yeah. Daniel and I just sat and watched a television episode, and we'll talk about it, and we'll, we'll spell it out. But I think for me, w- with Runners Up maybe being Attack of the Mutant, um, 
and what was the other one I was thinking of? That's the worst TV episode we've watched so far. Oh, the Barking Ghost Ooh. or Barking Ghost or whatever. I, th- I think I think this might be. Although, although the TV episode has some truly frightening things that we'll talk about. Yeah, I think it's the worst true. TV episode we watched so far, and the the television episode is loosely inspired by the book but they're kind of two separate things yes this is the first episode that we've watched that i feel like really leaves out some major sort of plot stuff and and does different things in the book it was kind of brainless and cheap i will say the goosebumps movie however i loved what they did with the lawn gnomes in the i love the lawn gnomes a lot in the movie too and i think i remember saying back in our movie review episode maybe that that was one of my favorite monsters maybe maybe not however upon reading the rereading the book I realized, again, how far the movie is away from the source material. Yes. And that makes me so angry because... In fact, the more I watch the movie, I just watch, I rewatched the Lawn Gnome scene today, the further and further it gets from feeling I, like a goosebumps. Yes. Again, as much as I enjoyed the movie, yeah. it's a huge disappointment to me as a super fan that, that we, what we were told... That they had people work. I, I feel. I feel so scandalous saying this. Yeah. That we were told that people, like teams of people, worked. You know, to make sure it looked exactly like the like the monsters oh, looked exactly like the true. book, right. and it's just not true at all. If you read the book, if you read the book description of the gnomes, they're nothing like the movie or the TV episode. As you can tell, Daniel's a real purist when it comes to stuff. I and, am, and I am, I am as well. And that's one thing. That, one thing I appreciate so much about Daniel. But anyway, um, so I, however, all that being said, I gave this book a B, and I feel like this book is a good B horror kind of kind sure. of a. Um, it's not one of my favorite favorites, but it does feel kind of like a classic Goosebumps book. Yes, I agree with that. We're in the we're in the mid thirties right now, and we're going to be in some class in some B rated classics. Yeah, let's go. So let's let's do it. So the protagonist in this book uh, is Joe. Joe is of course twelve. He's got brown hair. He's pudgy and short. So different from the rest of his family. So different from the rest of his family. They're all tall, blonde, and skinny, like his sister Mindy. His older sister is fourteen. Mindy. You know what I just realized? What? I don't think we have a redhead in this book. <gasps> Wait. I don't think we have a redhead in this book. Oh, that's that can't be true. Another thing I've said this before. Arlstein loves his M names, especially for women and moms. And the mom's name is Marion Burton. That's correct. And I think this is the is, first is, parent. Does, does Moose have red hair? I don't know. I don't think Moose has red hair. Here, you keep talking. I'll look up. Okay, so the book starts off with Joe and Mindy playing ping pong in their basement. Playing ping pong. And we learn very quickly that Joe and Mindy are very different. Mindy's super organized. She's so organized that she... she uh, Arranges her closet according to color, like I do. And she puts her books in alphabetical order, like Like I don't. And Joe is super silly and fun, and Mindy's very uptight. And they're just playing ping pong, and oh, wow. And while they're playing ping pong, they're like, wait, where's our dog? Where's our dog Buster, who's a black Rottweiler who usually sleeps all day by the dryer? Oh, Buster. When he's not sleeping by the dryer, he likes to get into the neighbor's yard, Mr. McCall's yard, and dig holes in the yard and eat plants in the yard. And what we need to know about the yard of Mr. McCall's, and what we need to know for this book is uh, Mr. McCall, the neighbor, and also Joe's dad uh, compete every year in an annual garden show. So their lawns are an and yards garden show. Yards are very, very, very important to them. And Mr. McCall usually takes first place every single year. But last year, Joe and his dad won a blue ribbon last year for their tomatoes that wow, they grew. Wow, you should have seen those tomatoes. Ooh. Oh, wow. But this year, Mr. McCall is growing cassava melons. What? And do you, do you know what I always think of when I think of cassava melons? What? Which, and I think of them so often. <laughs> is that in Psycho, the sound effect of Marion Crane getting stabbed. Marion Burton. Yes, I think that's where Arlstein got it, in fact. Um, is uh, they were stabbing cassava melons. Wow. So the sound effects of Marion Crane being stabbed are cassava melons. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Speaking of Hitchcock, I was just watching Vertigo earlier today. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've only seen it just once and it was in the cemetery. Yeah, I think I've seen it. This is going to be my third time watching it, but I don't really remember it that well, which is exciting for me. Gosh, Alfred Hitchcock loved Jimmy Stewart. Sure. I mean, who didn't? That's true. Anyway, so 
so Mr. McCall this year is growing cassava melons and thinks he's really going to win. And dad's like, they won't even grow. They won't grow in time. You know, here we have such a short growing season here in Minnesota. <laughs> I think it's so, I, I always find it so fascinating when, when our outside mentions where they are. Yeah. It, I, Cause so it can't just be any town USA. It's like, well, it is any town USA, I mean, but they, it's in, it's in Minnesota. So we know it's Minnesota. I like yeah. that. And Mr. Mr. McCall basically says, you know, he's like, I'll turn your dog into fertilizer if I find him in my yard messing up my melons. And while they're sort of... It's been a while since I've read a Goosebumps book with a dog in it, or it feels like it. But then when I was rereading this one, I thought, oh no, there's a dog in it. The dog's going to die. Yes. That was, that's like immediately where my brain went. Sure. Because I forgot that it was a Goosebumps book and not a movie. Because if there's a dog in the movie, the dog will die. Well, I mean, if it's Monster Blood, the, the dog will grow and grow and grow. That's true. And if it's Night of Living Dummy, that dog will get choked. This book kind of sets up this thing that, that will continue more in the latter half of the Goosebumps original series. Where they set up a bunch of ideas. They. I'm so sorry I say that like every week or every month or whatever. The Arlstein sets up a bunch of these ideas and then never really gives the payoff. He kind of like abandons them towards the end and then the book's kind of over because this like sets up kind of some dog stuff, which I guess pays off. But like to me, this whole oh, garden totally this whole garden off. competition thing yes. doesn't doesn't really go anywhere. It's kind of a plot device at the beginning, but then it doesn't really there's not like a uh it doesn't wrap up for me. I think it sets sort of the stakes high. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's what it does. And so so anyway. Uh, while they are downstairs playing ping pong still and wondering where Buster is, they hear booming footsteps, booming footsteps coming down the stairs. And Joe screams, oh, no, it's Mr. McCall. And Minnie please. screams, no, please. No, how? No, that woman McCall. It can't, it can't be Mr. McCall. But it turns out it's not Mr. McCall. It's Mr. McCall's son, Moose. With his dark brown crew cut. And Moose is loud and big and thick. And he kind of bugs and teases Mindy and plays a really wild, reckless ping pong game with Joe. And like sits on Joe's chest. When he ser- this is what this Earl Stein says. He says that Moose serves the ball so hard that the ping pong ball flattens like a pancake. And then they throw it into a pile of ping pong flattened ball pancake balls because this has happened time and time again. It's happened literally 15 times this month that Moose has served a ball so hard it flattened into a pancake. I don't know. What are you talking about? This gets a little cartoony. I do like the name Moose, though. I think it's funny in an Archie Comics kind of way. And yeah. it kind of, to me, it kind of harkens back to, it makes me think of R.L. Stein growing up in the 50s playing stickball. So Moose isn't isn't a bully, but he sort of just likes to roughhouse. And, and he's just he, like a big boy. He starts jumping on top of the tables, ch- chanting Super Moose. And then, the, the, <laughs> and then the table starts to crack and then he jumps on top of Joe's chest and is choking Joe until he can't breathe. That's the and, 15th time he's done that this month. And... Yeah, he just, like, starts choking Joe. And that's the end of the chapter. Like, he's choking. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe. And Mindy's like, no, Joe, Joe can't breathe. And Joe's like, I'm just kidding. We were in on it together. That's just how he plays. Oh, lol. Revenge of the Law Gnomes. And Mindy's like, you can't, you guys, stop fooling. I thought you were really choking him. I'm going upstairs. Mindy's kind of a stick in the mud. In this and on point. the way upstairs, she sees through the window in the basement. Oh, uh, no. Buster is, he's he's in Mr. McCall's garden clawing up the melons. Oh, no, his cassava. So they all run out to the yard. Screen, no, no, don't. But nothing will stop Buster except for Joe's magic dog whistle that he wears on his neck even at night, even when he takes a shower. He wears the dog whistle. He knows if he blows that whistle, we won't be able to hear it, but you know that dog can hear it, and that'll make him stop chewing on those cassava. And uh, Moose is like, hurry, blow... B- Blow your horn, Gabriel, Gabriel. Put your lips together and blow. Blow the horn. It's almost 6 p.m. And at exactly 6 p.m., Mr. McCall comes out to water the garden. You have 30 seconds. Hurry, blow. Uh, no. So he blows, he blows it. Buster comes trying to slowly. Dino, won't you blow your And they're like, horn. hurry, hurry. It's almost 6 o'clock. Mr. McCall, McCall's going to come out. Nine. And then Mr. McCall opens the door and steps outside and... and screams at them. No, please, not Mr. McCall. Anything but Mr. McCall. Mr. McCall, by the way, is very is a very big guy and he's retired army, so he's kind of got a little bit of a I don't know, militaristic vibe about him. He's 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 intimidating. And Joe and he was like, Well, what's going on out here? And Joe's like, Well, Buster wasn't in your garden. That do you see that dirt over there? I was stirred up because of the from the wind. I was only fooling. It just came from the wind. And Mr. McCall says, All right, I believe you this time, but if I see Buster in here, I'm gonna call the police and have Buster sent in the pound. And they're like, No. And he says, Moose, why don't you come over here and water my melon? <laughs> 
And then, oh no, all of a sudden Mindy and Joe hear their dad moaning and groaning. It's Going, so, oh, oh. It's so unlike him. And they run up to him and he's in his t-shirt that says, I'm, I'm all thumbs in, in the garden. garden. And he's holding his head and they're like, what he happened, goes, dad? Uh, no. Something terrible happened. They I said, have what terrible, is it, terrible dad? news. I found, what, isn't the news like, Oh no, I found a fruit fly on their on my biggest tomato, the red queen. And he's so upset. And I love that Arlstein, as Joe points out, says, Wow, the adults around here are getting a little weird. Yeah. Girl, ain't that the truth? And Joe's like, I don't why don't we get some of that bug be gone spray? It's not that bad, Dad. So dad gets them in the garage and they spray the paintos down to their sopping wet. And then mom comes out wearing one of her around the house outfits. Dad's plaid shorts and a t-shirt that says, I, I missed, missed you. you. Like M-I-S-T. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, Mindy kills a fruit fly and dad's like, you killed a fruit fly. It's time to celebrate. I know where we can go now. Let's go to Lawn, Lawn Lovely. Lovely. And Lawn Lovely is a house two blocks away where dad loves to buy lawn ornaments. And there's an old woman named Lila who lives at the house, and dad's probably her only customer, and she sells them from her front yard. So dad, Mr. Burton has a lot of lawn ornaments in the lawn. In the front yard, he has two pink um, flamingos, flamingos, a cement angel with huge white wings, a chrome ball, and a silver platform. Which is on the cover of the book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A fountain with two kissing swans, a seal that balances on a beach ball, and a chipped plastic deer. And he always dresses them up around holidays like, I don't know, holidays like Lincoln's birthday. Yeah, he like puts a beard on them for Lincoln's birthday. So they walk, they all, Mindy and Joe and Dad decide to walk to Lawn Lovely, and it's a, it's a long uphill walk, and it's hot and so sweaty. <laughs> you know those Minnesota summers. Yes, and they get up to the Lawn Lovely. Lawn Lovely is a three-story bright pink house with mismatched colorful shutters, a saggy front porch, and hundreds of ornaments in the yard, and on the first floor of the house, you see Mrs. Lila Anderson. She, she she lives. Like, she has pink hair, right? She does. She's. Uh, Joe says she kind of looks like a flamingo. Always wears pink. Super skinny, and her hair is sort of pink. And she's basically deaf. And Dad spots these two gnomes in the yard. So here we go, you guys. I want to describe what these gnomes look like yeah. because I want because I want you to know. And because the TV episode and the movies get it wrong, and this is how it should be. Okay. <laughs> yes. Listen to me. They are two gnomes. They are three feet tall. They're very chubby, little old men with glassy, piercing red eyes. Yep. Large, pointy ears. Mouths curved in silly grins. Coarse brown hair sprouting from they heads. Um, They're both wearing bright green short-sleeved shirts with brown leggings and tall pointy orange hats with black belts tied tightly around their chubby waists. That's how they look. If you look at T. Jacobus's cover of the book, that is pretty damn close. But in the TV episode in the movie, they give them beards. Yeah, they make them like little... The seven dwarves or something. Like chubby white old men with no ears at all. I like the way Arlstein describes it, and that's how I want it. Yes. Anyway, Dad loves them. Mindy thinks they're disgusting and creepy, and Dad definitely buys Sick. them. And they have to carry them all the way back. There's some dumb little fake-out moment where Mindy walks away and goes, those are sick, and Joe says, help, one of them grab me, one of them grab me. But of course, it's Joe just kidding around and whatever. So Dad decides to name one of them Hap because he looks happy, and the other one Chip because his front tooth is chipped. Hap and Chip. Which one would you be, Hap or Chip? I'd probably be Hap. Yeah, I'd probably be Chip. So they carry them home all the way home. And I was like, they must be heavy. Don't yeah. you think they're heavy? I keep forgetting how tall three feet tall is, especially if you're like a little kid who's like, you know, 12 or what. I think three feet tall is actually pretty big for a lawn ornament. In fact, I think it's too big for a lawn ornament. And in, in the movie, they're about um one, like almost a foot tall, probably. Barely. If that. Barely. If that. But I don't even think they're that big. But I do love their little clinking, tinking noises. When That's they move. what's so fun in the movie is how they move was so plastery and satisfying. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty cute. <laughs> Maybe they're friendly. Not friendly. Definitely not friendly. (laughs) 
Anyway, so they carry them home. Oh, God. And set them up on either side of Dear Lila the Deer. Dear Lila. And um, Mr. McCall and Dad sort of like playfully banter about how ugly the gnomes are and how he's going to lose the the garden show because of the gnomes or something. Gosh, this garden show is so important. And Moose comes by and he and Joe start are punching and choking and tickling the gnomes and being silly. And then they see that, of course, Buster has run into Mr. McCall's garden again. Buster, no. Mr. McCall no. yells, Joe blows his whistle, and, you know, all is Joe saved. All is saved by dinner time. Horn. And as they're, as they're running back inside for dinner, they hear a thump. And Joe turns around and sees that Hap is face down and that Buster is licking his face. And Joe picks Hap up to sort of, you know, set him straight. And he is so shocked by what he sees. Because when he picks up Hap, he looks at Hap's face. And Hap no no longer has a silly grin. Instead... He he has a shocked expression. Like, he's trying to scream. And Joe's like, what? His face changed. And he goes, everybody, come over here. Come over here. His face, the gnome's face changed. And everybody says, what are you talking about? His face is exactly the way it always was. And Joe looks back and his face is the smiling face again. So we kind of recycle some very recent tropes that we've had with like Slappy and I Living Dummy stuff. And they're kind of just these reused things that are going to happen in this book where it's like, no, but promise, dad, look. No, I saw the I saw the ghost dogs, dad. No, it was the dogs, dad. It wasn't me. It was the it was the lawn ornaments. It was Slappy. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the same old thing same old same old for sure i guess if it ain't broke don't fix it you know yes mr mccall's like wow i almost believe your son he should be an actor the very next morning joe gets up to mow the lawn and mr mccall is out there he gets up at like 8 a.m or everything he's he like earlier like, than that he's like 6 i was like if i was on my summer break and i was i would not be waking up that early to mow the lawn nope and when he's when joe is mowing the lawn mr mccall because oh, isn't he like saving up to like get a bike or something oh yeah i think that's right yeah maybe maybe that'd be impetus to wake up that early so mr Call's out there and he's furious and he says last Last night, one of my melons was eaten and destroyed. And Joe's like, well, it wasn't Buster. He hates melons. Yeah, everyone knows that about Bullshit. And Dad walks outside and says, you know, you know, Joe, you have to tie Buster up in the backyard. You know, he ate that melon last night. And Joe's like, it wasn't Buster. I swear. I promise. And Dad's like, no, it's probably for the best anyway. You should tie him up because we're, we're painting the house today. We're going to play it white with black trim instead of the ugly faded yellow. And he needs to be away from the painters. That black onyx trim. Yes. So after mowing the black lawn, Onyx Hotel. Joe plays ring toss with Moose, and they use the gnome's hats as like you know, like to throw the rings on or that whatever. sounds fun. And as Joe goes to retrieve the, one of the rings, he sees a melon seed sticking out of Chip's mouth. What? I'm so confused. How could that possibly get there? So that night, after Joe has a nightmare about a big cassava melon attacking him, (laughs) he hears Buster howling and howling, and he says, oh no, he's scared and upset. He's tied at that side. So he makes his way downstairs, and he's so scared because he keeps thinking he's here, he hears things. Doesn't he get two powerful hands grab him from behind here? And so when he gets to the door, two powerful hands (laughs) grab him from behind. And it turns out it's Mindy. And then he's like, I knew it. Mindy's like, what are you doing? And Joe's like, oh, I came down to get a midnight snack to eat the eat midnight snack to eat the melons. Ha ha ha. Funny joke. He says, no, but actually I'm going outside to talk to calm Buster down. I'm gonna go talk to Buster. He's been barking a bunch, and Mindy's like, okay, fine. Good night. And when he goes outside, he sees two figures scamp around the side of the house. Oh, it must be raccoons. It has to be raccoons. That proves it. The raccoons. The raccoons ate the melon last night. That's right. It was the raccoons, and that's what set upsetting Buster's all the raccoons. So the next morning he wakes up at 6. 30 a.m. To, sa- to the sound of Mr. McCall screaming, I don't believe it. And everybody wakes up and they run over to Mr. McCall's garden and they see that sloppy black smiles have been painted on the melons. Oh no. Oh no, the raccoons did it. The raccoons. And Mr. McCall says, it was you, it was you. And Minnie says, how could you? I saw Joe get up in the yeah, middle of the night. Yeah, she like, snitches get stitches. Yeah. She says, she says he was going to mess up the melons. He told me. And Joe's like, um, I was making a joke. You're a dumb bitch. <laughs> And and the parents are like, I'm sorry, Joe, but you're grounded for two weeks. And Miss no. Call says, I'm gonna sue you if this paint doesn't come off. So Joe is grounded and miserable. So he spends all day reading Super Gamma Man, his comic book, and orders rubber vomit. <laughs> oh, and he re- he arranges he rearranges. That the- sounds like a '50s and '60s thing to me. I don't know if anyone would do that in the '90s. He rearranges the clothes in Mindy's room to put them out of like rainbow order. He sounds like a mischief gnome. And he he ends up interrupting her and Heidi as they make T-shirts with, with fabric, fabric paint, with puff paint. Oh my gosh. 
sweaters with puff paint. And they're like, leave us alone. We're going to go to the pool. See you later. And Joe's like, this sucks. And then he like bugs his mom. He's like, ma'am, ma'am, can I please take Buster for a walk, please? This, Aren't you annoyed with me? This paint is giving me a headache. And mom's like, ugh, I'm dealing with the painters and their swatches. Fine, fine. You're ungrounded for a little while. Go take Buster for a walk. So, so they, they go for a walk. They play at Buttermilk Pond and get ice cream. And he get, he buys ice cream for Buster and feeds Buster and like, ice cream. He's like, Buster always loves ice cream, but he never eats the chocolate chips. I'm like, yeah, yeah he does. good, because he's going to die. Yeah. What is this, 1950? So they get home, and when he gets home, um, Buster's sniffing the yard, and Joe kind of looks at the lawn gnomes and sees that there's dirt on the gnomes' hands and fingers. No, wait, wait, it's, it's not, not dirt. dirt. It's, it's black, black paint. <laughs> wait a second. I'm confused. How do you think that seed got into, ha- into Chip's mouth, and then he has black paint on his fingers? This doesn't make any sense. I know it was Buster. It had to be Buster, or it had to be the raccoon. And Buster, of course... It was Slappy. Slappy did it. Buster starts to trot over to Mr. McCall's garden, and Joe blows his whistle and says, Don't do it! Bitch! And Buster runs back and licks him and licks the gnomes. And then he sees that the gnomes' faces have now changed to terrified expressions! Wait a second, I think there's something going on here with the gnomes. So he's like, I have to tell my mom. So he runs upstairs and says, Mom, He like goes to mom, his parents like maybe four times in this Mom, book. the gnomes' face changes. This is not funny. And he, and You're he, talking crazy. I don't believe you. And he says, no, I promise. Please, she's fine. And when they get outside, of course, the gnome's faces are back to normal. Yes. And she says, you're driving me crazy. And then all of a sudden, a voice, she goes and's back inside the oh, house. Yeah. All of a sudden, a voice, voice behind Joe says, not funny, Joe. <laughs> not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> Does it giggle? I think they just they just whisper. And he turns and sees that the voices yes, are coming. rough whispers down at his feet. Not funny at all, Chip Rast. Not funny, Joe Hap whispered. So things are starting to get a little sexy. So Joe <laughs> decides he's going to tell his family at dinner that he heard the gnomes speak, knowing that'll go over well. And he's so nervous about telling them that he starts shredding his, as Arl Stein typed, his nap king. Really? There's a typo that says nap king instead of nap king. That made me laugh. So... Um, he starts to tell them that he heard the gnomes. He thinks the gnomes did it all, but of course that gets shut. Oh, you're right. That gets shut down real fast. I told you I was right. Unless is Nap King a word? No. So after dinner, Joe and Dad go out to water the tomatoes, but they see that the tomatoes have been destroyed and they're a pulpy mess. And Joe's like, "It was the gnomes. No, the gnomes did it, Dad. You have to." Me. See, I can pull you toward the front yard. I know they're going to have tomatoes in their hands. I can... Uh, 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 so he takes them towards the front yard, and they both can't believe what they see, that there's nothing on the gnomes. The gnomes are totally fine. They haven't even moved. Shocking. And he says, there's there there aren't... um There, there weren't even... Uh, there wasn't even tomatoes on their stubby little toes, which gives us a clue that they... Wait, I, I wrote down, I thought they were wearing red boots. Did I say they were wearing red I don't remember boots? that at all. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah, you're crazier than Joe Burton on a, on a Saturday morning. So maybe they shoeless. On so, the cover of the book they are, except they're wearing these really sexy gladiator sandals. Oh, Do you see? Wow. Oh, with their, with I a, see. With their toes sticking out? And then Dad says, I know who did it. It wasn't the gnomes. It was, and he grabs some smashed tomato pulp and goes into Mr. McCall's house and yells at Mr. McCall through the door. And when Mr. McCall opens the door, he throws tomatoes onto his white shirt, Mr. McCall's white Ooh. shirt. And they get in a big, huge yelling fight. Wow. And Mr. McCall says, you know what? I don't want my boy, Moose, spending time with your boy, Joe, anymore. It was probably your boy, Joe. So that night, Joe can't sleep. It's too stuffy in his room. And he opens the window, and it's so foggy outside. And he looks out in the front yard, and he sees that the gnomes are gone. He, and- oh. And he goes to wake up his mom and dad said, the gnomes are gone. The gnomes are gone. Joe, stop it. Stop it, Joe. Don't you know by now? He's, he's no, the gnomes, they're gone. They're like, whatever. He grows to Mindy. He says, Mindy, the gnomes. She's like, oh, I'm trying to sleep. Stop it. So he goes outside in, on his own. It's so dark. He can barely see anything. This and that's, fog sounds really thingy. And while he's out in the yard, something grabs him and pulls him down, down, down into the darkness. And he realizes, oh, it was just a garden hose. I thought it was a snake ticking around my ankler. 
and then he hears footsteps and a cackle and a dry laugh, and then something grabs his waist so hard. Oh no, who is it? It has to be Hap or Chip, one of the gnomes. Oh wait. It's Moose. It's Moose sitting on my chest. And Moose said, scared ya. And Joe's like, what are you doing out here? And Moose is like, I, I heard, heard some weird, weird sounds. sounds. And I saw you wandering in the yard, so I came outside. Uh, and he says, look Moose, the gnomes are gone. It's not a trick, I swear. And Mo- Moose sees that the gnomes are actually gone. And Moose is like, where did you put them? Tell me where they are or else you must face the 10 tortures. And then jumps on his chest and starts kissing him. And causing a real ruckus on his chest. (laughs) And then... um, So they're like, they're like wrestling out front and it wakes up, of course it wakes up Joe's dad, Mr. McCall, who come outside to investigate, but they can't see anything because Joe and Moose hide beneath the thick fog and stay. It's thick like pea soup. And stay real quiet. (laughs) But dad, but dad turns on a flashlight and finds them. Says, You better go home, Moose. And he says, come on inside, Joe. And Joe goes inside. He was only playing. He says, what were you doing out there? And Joe says, but dad, I swear the gnomes were gone. Please, 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 please believe me. He does say it that many times. And, dad, and then he shows it and he goes, oh, wait, the gnomes are gone. But then the fog just sifts a little bit. And it's like, oh, wait, no, wait, they're right there. It was the, it, the fog was covering them, Joe. See, fog does silly things. All right. It's fine. Not another word about the gnomes. Do you promise? So, okay. So Joe goes to bed again. And then what happens the next morning? Yes. He wakes up and looks into Mr. McCall's and he goes, and he goes oh, oh, no. And Mr. McCall's red Jeep is covered in white. Pent. Oh my gosh. Well, who keeps doing these horrible things? And Joe runs out there and Moose is already out there and says, oh, can you believe it? The police are involved. And Joe's like, oh no, the police are going to think it's me. Mr. McCall's going to tell them it's me. But then they follow the path of white paint dots all over the grass and it goes straight up to, you guessed it, the gnomes. And Joe says, I know it's the gnomes. Hey, Moose, how about tonight we stake out and see if we can catch him in the act. And we'll sneak out at midnight and then we'll kiss. So they hide. <laughs> they hide. So that night, <laughs> they hide in the evergreen bushes in the front yard and they hear noises and they see glowing eyes in front of them and they realize it's for reals, just raccoons. Glowing red eyes. And then they wait for two more hours and after nothing, Moose says, I'm gonna go home. And then he gasps as they see the gnomes stretch and smooth out their shirts and shake their legs awake. And Joe is so shook, he falls into the bushes and he knows that they saw him. Oh, no. And then the full moon appears and it hits him like a Ooh. spotlight. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and the gnomes... Um, with their stiff arms and stumpy legs start running towards them. Their hats like shark fins. Oh, deepest, bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. And then they realize, oh, no, wait. The gnomes aren't running towards them. They're running towards the... Uh, they, this made no sense to me because I was like, where are the bushes in front of this house? What are you talking know. about? It's not running towards them. They are racing across the cement walk around to the side of the house. And Moose and Joe follow them, and Moose is very scared, but he agrees to keep following them because they need the proof. And they see the gnomes with black paint cans. And they take the black paint cans, and they start splashing them all over the side of the white house. And Moose and Joe are like, all right, let's tackle them. They're, they're, they're smaller than us. Let's just do it. And as they approach them, Moose trips over Buster's rope because Buster is still out there tied up asleep. And Moose tries to free himself and that wakes up Buster. And Buster barks and barks and the gnome's faces turn angry. And Chip says, don't let, don't get them. Don't let them escape. So Joe and Moose run around to the side of the house screaming and the gnomes are giggling running after them and Joe has to stop because of side stitch. Ow, my side stitch. And as they make it to the front yard, Mindy opens the front door in a pink robe and they say, oh no, watch out. And the gnomes grab her and then they drag her out into the street by her hair. Yes, they pin her to the ground first and then drag her to the street by her hair. And she screams and screams and screams and they chase them down the block. Two blocks past, I mean two houses past Mr. McCall. Dragging Mindy the whole way, right? And then they stop and Chip's like, we we mean you no harm. We just wanted you attention they're like let her go there's they say you don't understand we can't help the things we've done we are mischief elves we do mischief it is our mission in life and they're like what do you mean we need your help and they're like listen to me no we need you to help get us our freedom please please listen and believe listen and believe hap echoed we lived in a land far from here 
in a forest deep and green. We guarded the mines and protected the trees. We performed our mischief innocently, but we also did a lot of good. We were hard-working a peepo, and we were happy in our forest home. But then the mines were closed, and the forests were cut down, and we were captured, kidnapped, and taken far from our home. We were shipped to your country and forced to work as lawn ornaments. Slaves, Hap said. Forced to stand all day and all night. And um, Mindy's like, how do you guys stand so still? And, Ch- and Chip goes, we go into a trance. Time passes without our realizing it. We come out of the trance at night and we go about doing our job. And Joe's like, you mean mischief? And I say, mm-hmm. And but- Hap goes, but we want to be free. To go where we want, to live where we choose. We want to find another forest where we can live in freedom. And they start... To- Fat tears start rolling down their cheeks. And, and Chip's like, will you help us? Please, please help us. Like, help you do what? They say, help our help our friends and us escape. There are six others, Hap explains. They're locked in the basement at the store where you bought us. We need your help to set them free. We can climb into the basement window, but we're too short to climb back out. And too short to reach the doorknob, even though we're three feet tall, to let ourselves out through the door. Will you please help us escape? Please help us. You just have to climb down into the basement then help our six friends out the basement door. And they say, please, 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 please. They really do. And they say, my whole thing is like, why can't the two gnomes just stand on each other's shoulders and open the door? Girl. Retweet if you believe these gnomes. So they say, all right, fine, we'll help you. And the gnomes are like, we have to do it now, though, because if if you wait, we're going to be forced to do some more mischief. We're going to have to. <laughs> we can't help it. Also, their story makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense. But don't, I'm kind of not mad at it. It's that thing where Arlstein explains just enough, you know what I mean? Where it's like, who kidnapped them? They're forced to work as gnomes. What does that even mean? And don't they, like, start messing with the mailbox? They're like, see, we can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> we start putting rocks in mailboxes. We're going to have to keep doing it. The idea is fun, though. I appreciate the idea of all So that. they walk to Lawn Love get to the long, low, open basement window on the side of the house, and Joe starts to make his way down there. And Moose and Mindy follow, and then... Get down, get deeper and down, get down, And so get as they get down there... Down. Get down, get deeper and down, get down, get deeper and down. They're like, oh, it smells like vinegar. It smells like gnome sweat. Ew. And then the gnomes kind of like jump in after Seek. them, and then they run off giggling into the darkness. It's pitch black. And then all of a sudden the lights come on, and... Everybody sees that there aren't six gnomes down there. There are 600 gnomes. A sea of them, row after row. Please, 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 please. Exactly please, the please, same please, looking, please, except please, they're all please, they're wearing please. different colored shirts. And then Hap, Hap claps three times, <laughs> then three more. And the gnomes come to life, chittering and a giggling and splishing and a splashing. And Joe's like, oh, no, we should get out of here. This is not right. And Hap and Chip block them from the window. And Hap claps again for attention. All the gnomes go silent. And they say, we have brought you the young humans like we promised. And then they cheer and go, And they start reaching out towards them. And all the gnomes start walking towards them, pushing them against the wall. Hands plucking at Joe's clothes. Slapping his face, pulling his hair. And they're like, but we want to help you escape. We're trying to help you, says Mindy. And the gnomes say, we don't want to escape. Now that you're down here, it's going to be so much fun. (laughs) What should we make them do? So Hap and Chip make their way towards the front of the crowd, clap to silence them. And they're like, please let us go. Please. And Hap Hap and Chip are like, like we told you, we're mischief elves. (laughs) Revenge of the mischief elves. So what should we do with them? Should we bounce them? Have a dribbling contest? Should we fold them into squares? Should we tickle them for hours? And then the gnomes start chanting, tickle, tickle, tickle. Fold them, fold them, fold them. Dribble, 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 
Buster barking. And he's followed down. Buster, and help us. And he's running towards the basement. And they said, maybe the gnomes are afraid of dogs. Um, yes. But, and so Joe's like, maybe I Must can. Must love dogs. And he's like, but how can, um, how will Buster be able to hear my calls over the gnomes chanting? And Buster, Tickle. Buster Tickle. points his head, pokes his head through the window and says, come on, come here, boy. Come here, down here, boy. Come on. But Buster just sits outside by the window and just stares at them. They're like, oh, Buster, you're Thanks no for hell. nothing, Buster. What a bust. There goes our only Buster hope. Bunny. And meanwhile, the gnomes are chanting trampoline, tug trampoline, of war. It's time to vote. What we're going to do. And Joe covers his ears to drown out the noise, but remembers his whistle. He tells Mindy and says, yes, yes. She says, yes, blow it. Blow the whistle. I know if you blow the whistle, then Buster will hear it and he'll come save us. Yes, even though he, Buster's staring at us through the window, if I blow the whistle, he'll jump through the window. Yes, blow it. Take blow off. it. And, um... As he goes to blow, as he goes to go, the, the gnomes shriek, the whistle! And everything goes silent. <gasps> and Hap and Chip jump up and knock the whistle out of his hand across the floor. There's an all-out brawl between everyone. Moose, Mindy, a bunch of gnomes. It's a big, sexy, violent fight. And Joe finally grabs the whistle. And as he grabs it, he gets t- t- tackled again. And, and Moose sits on his chest. And, and, and Hap is holding the whistle high above his head and places it on the ground in front of him like he's going to stomp on it. And right as he's about to stomp on it, Joe half crawls, flies towards the whistle, grabs it just in time, rolls away, and blows with all his might. Oh, wow. And he blows. He blows so hard. But Buster still doesn't come down. And they're like, what is going on? And he's like, the gnomes must be wondering where the dog is, too, because they've grown silent. And then he looks around and realizes they're all froze. They they all frozen. They all froze. They're in a trance again. It, it was the whistle. They weren't afraid of Buster. They, they were afraid of the whistle. The whole time. And so the gnomes stay frozen and they're like, all right, great. Let's go. So they, uh, M- Mindy and Joe and Moose agree not to tell anybody about They this. climb on top of Hap and Chip to get out of the window mm-hmm. and they leave all the frozen 600 gnomes plus two, 602 frozen gnomes now in the basement. And they're so happy and excited and Buster's licking them and Joe teases Mindy by saying, and tickle, tickle, tickle. And they tickle. laugh and laugh and laugh and everything's great. <laughs> and Joe says, I knew I'd never forget those high pitched chants. I knew I'd hear them in my dreams for a long, long time. Amen. So the next evening in the den, um, I don't know what happened with all the black paint splashed. Yeah, over no the one house. ever addresses the black paint that was splashed. And there's all over never, the there's house. never, uh, we never find out who wins the yard. Uh, tournament no closure with that at all absolutely none mindy and joe are watching mtv and dad is still upset that someone stole his lawn gnomes yeah and he comes not upset about the paint and the dad comes in with a weird expression on his face and his eye brought home a surprise and they go to the front lawn in the front lawn is a brown plaster gorilla it's enormous at least eight Eight feet feet tall tall. absolutely insane with gigantic black eyes a bright purple chest and paws the size of baseball mitts a head as big as a basketball and mindy and joe are like we love it anything's better than lawn gnomes and mom's like oh that is so ugly oh and joe goes up to it and says be a good gorilla don't be like those awful gnomes and now we're gonna read the first paragraph and last paragraph of the book clack 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 Then, as I started to turn away, the gorilla winked at me. I see your brown eye winking Winking up at me. Up at me. Well, how did he get an eight-foot plaster gorilla home? Girl. And how come we didn't see that earlier when we were at Lawn Lovely? You know what? I was like, to to me, it seemed like, Jovial Bob was getting a little lazy this month. It's like, we need a twist ending. Um, John, uh, yeah, wink to me. Okay, great. You know what I mean? It makes me think of, you know, like, Stanley, what chapter have you been reading from, you know, that? Why does it make you think of that? Because, because I, I'm referencing the Scare Walks of Midnight. the Midnight. Because the very end of the the book ends with, uh, it's a big bear. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read the book. Or listen to our episode. So let's talk about, speaking of episodes, let's talk about the TV episode. Oh, do we have to? No. Thank you guys for, so <laughs> this episode uh, was season two. Truly, you guys, I know a lot of times when you're listening to these episodes, hopefully you've seen these episodes before, the TV episodes. If there's oh, yes. ones. Skip this one. Skip this. There's no, this well, unless you, uh, unless you have a morbid curiosity about certain things about it, at least just fast forward through it a little bit and just watch two seconds of it's it. It's so short. It is, yeah. So this was season two, episode eight. It aired October 12th, 1996. And there are some major differences. First of all, 
there is no there's no bus there's no moose there's no moose there's no buster and there's a mom in it but to me what i thought was they're clearly what let's go chronologically okay okay. because it's easy to explain once we get there okay matthew and i both felt that this episode they were trying to save money yeah Yeah. i feel like they spent they spent some money on trying to make like gnomes or something which to me IMO were not super successful and they were cutting corners and other places. Left and right. I think they they thought it'd be too difficult to work with a dog and cast a a moose. So instead that we just have Mindy and Joe and Joe's sort of like a little timid. Yeah, and and a and and not really an actor and not really the protagonist. He's kind of the protagonist, I guess, but not like Joe in the book at all. No, not at all. And Mindy's not like Mindy in the book at all. Mindy's like sort of like a obnoxious older sister. I will say that Joe wears kind of cool clothes. I like his sideways hat that he wears, but yeah, Mindy is just a generic bitchy older sister and neither one of them have any outstanding personalities or character traits at all. Character traits at all. And so instead of, you know, in the book they're playing ping pong, but in the TV episode they're playing catch and the ball actually goes into Mr. McCall's yard. And they're like, no, not in the yard. If something goes in that yard, we never get it back. Hurry, hurry, get it before he comes outside. And they're very scared about going to the yard. And Mr. McCall in this, this is so frustrating for me. Mr. McCall in the TV episode is a skinny old man who wear, who with no kids or family. And the, who wears the most cartoonishly over the top military garb. And they take... They call him what? The the, the major. They, they call, call him the, the major, major the whole time. They take this whole military thing to the, 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 the sketch comedy extent. Anytime he's on screen, they play obnoxious military like drums and hoodle whistles. And, and and even in the middle of the night when he gets up, he's wearing camo gear and his like colonel hat. But what is so weird is he's wearing like a camouflage scarf and like, you know, like a military hat. There's something so feminine about him yeah to there's me. something kind of feminine community theater about him to me yes and i'm like he doesn't it also does that thing he's where he's not big and scary he's more like crotchety and and old and like just wears the military clothes and has like shoulder pads and is like stay out of my lawn yeah yeah that's true and also uh, mr burton our dad is kind of cartoony too with like big colorful clothes and glasses and he's like, oh well you better stay out of the yard yes. son it's that thing that i don't Part of me wants to be like, listen, when I was a kid, the kind of entertainment that I love was stuff that didn't pander to kids at all. I always liked being treated like as an adult or making things more realistic or dramatic or scary. And I hope that wasn't part of the the um, the idea behind in the, some of these Goosebumps episodes or where the parents are so cartoony that they're so unrealistic. And it's like the... I don't know. It's supposed to be. Is like kids looking as adults? A stupid cartoon. Bumbly old, like <laughs> yeah, like so anyway, whatever. Mister McCall takes the ball and is like, "It's mine now. Don't you come into my yard?" <laughs> and so now it's mine. And you stay out of my garden. And, and so they're like, de- de- they run back in the yard and dad has come home with the gnomes. He's like, I, they're like, comes he lost the back another of ball. Yeah. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Get into a big fight with him, Sean? Yeah. And speaking of Jimmy Stewart. And he has come home. We don't ever get to see Lon Lovely, which is a huge disappointment and for me personally. And he comes home with the gnomes. They're kind of evil looking. Evil? I think they're cute. Yeah, I think so too. And. With these guys in the backyard, we are a cinch to win a summer garden contest, am I right? Yeah, and at Christmas we can dress them up as elves. Santa's elves? Dracula's elves, maybe. And the gnomes, what do you think of how these gnomes look, Matthew? Um, I think they thought they looked really good. To me, they look like to me they look paper like, mache um, group project. They look piss poor to me. Yeah, I, I will say so. What they do in this episode they is they have two little people. They have playing. two two little people playing the gnomes, and that's really what they look like. They don't look like lawn gnomes. They look like shiny li- plaster. They look like little people wearing shiny vinyl clothes. I will say because of that choice, it they never look convincingly like real plaster or like g- real genuine lawn ornaments. They do look like little people in like. Uh, a David the Gnome costume. 
and they do this thing that's only effective at the beginning, and then it kind of it, it's, it's not terrible. at all. Where they and this is what I'm thinking is might be worth watching just to look at it for a second. But when they have the little people actors with their eyes closed, they paint eyes on their eyelids. But you guys, the eye, the eyes that they paint on the eyelids are flesh colored. Are like just like somebody quickly did it with a sharpie. Is yeah, like. and so that's why it's not effective. So when the gnomes open their eyes, it's you can tell that they're you know drawn on eyelids that flip up, and then you see their real eyes. And they also have these tiny, tiny, pointy teeth. But so I like the pointy teeth. The fact that they have the pointy teeth and this kind of it really reads as little people dressed up pretending to be gnomes. And when you're looking at it like that, it's, it's very actually, scary. It's really, really frightening. But they're wearing so much like plaster-ish makeup on their faces that their faces and mouths barely move. Yeah, and they're also, they speak... And so when they speak so quietly and they mumble, you can't understand anything they're saying. And there's something very scary about that, but something very disappointing about that. But it's like unintentionally scary in a way. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's kind of like, um, uh, it's kind of like a surreal kind of thing. So all this happens very quickly. That first night... Um, we see a POV shot of somebody running around the yard and, and kind of smashing like a, it's, I guess it's a melon, but look, yeah, no, that's a cassava melon. They're they're Oh, sm- that's what they look like. Yes. They're smashing melons. Okay. Somebody smashing melons at this house and they wake up the next morning and the major shows up at the back door of the Burton house. And they- when they see my impeccable flower beds, my immaculate lawn, my flawless melons, that summer garden award is marching straight home. What was that, Joe? Nothing, sir. You may go back to your opportunity, sir. This is not really told through Joe's perspective necessarily. It's kind of like through the dad's perspective and Joe's and Mindy's yeah. all put together. It doesn't really it's not matter. Really, really from Joe's perspective. Yeah. And he he's really upset that somebody smashes melons. Not only have they smashed the melons, but they've drawn someone did like a caricature of the major on one of the melons. With, like a detailed caricature. With a Sharpie. And Joe's like, it wasn't me and, you know, that whole, that whole thing. And later he, he licks his fingers and then touches the gnome and you see that there's, you know. There's fat, wet black paint. Which on, is not a Sharpie. On one, on one of the gnomes. We don't even, they don't even name the gnomes in the episode either. And, there's a and they're mel- not smiling and they don't have red eyes and, and they, they don't have ears. And there's a melon seed sticking. And they have beards. Which is like, why do you have beards? There's a melon seed sticking out of one of the gnomes' mouth. It's like, what is going on? And... So, um, the gnomes like mess stuff up and, you know, Joe wakes up in the middle of the night, sees raccoon eyes out there and goes out to see what's going on. And as he is in the yard, I really missed moose actually. He, he fought, he wanders into Mr. McCall's, the major's yard and to chase, see what's going on. And as he, uh, he sees gnomes pretty quick, like this happens very quickly, sees the gnomes messing things up and they are, you know, like tossing things around and digging into the ground. And as Joe steps into the yard, like a light sensor comes on and, and all the alarm goes off. This, this military alarm goes off. Mr. McCall comes outside with his cartoony feminine military pajamas. And Joe is like, oh my God, what's going on? The gnomes did it. And of course the gnomes freeze when the lights turn on. Right. Yeah. And, and so Joe gets blamed for the whole thing and Joe's, just kind of like half-assed like no the gnomes did it and everything he's like i'll show you it was the gnomes and then he has to like you know redo the major's entire unimpressive he, the, yard the gnomes mess up the, the yard pretty badly they do and i'm like i don't understand how a little kid could fix that what but i also want to say about the mr mccall's yard and mr burton's yard yeah is they're not very good like they're deeply unimpressive and it it, it really looks like an art department through quickly the, last the morning minute, of the morning of like through a bunch of lawn ornaments yeah, it's kind of brainless it it's not especially good looking yards. no it doesn't look good at all and so um so joe spends the next day while like cleaning up the yard while mindy's like on a hammock sipping lemonade being a bitch and that night Joe's like, I'm so so angry about having to clean this stuff up. He's going to film the gnomes in the middle of the night moving around. And so he like sets the alarm at like midnight, gets up with an old timey video camera and goes but to he's, film. Oh and- no, there's no tape in it. I don't have a tape. <clears throat> By the way, he looks out into the yard and he sees like, it's like, they're not even called Hap and Chip in this. So he sees two lawn gnomes sitting there with like sticks and fishing poles in their hands. And they like stand up and stretch. And I'm like, girl, I was like, 
wouldn't someone be noticing that these gnomes weren't standing at attention like they were when we bought them and are said are sitting down and holding fishing poles? Yes. Sloppy. Like what? And he's like, there's no tape in my camera. And so he like goes to tell mom, wake up mom and dad. Here's the first time that we see mom, okay? And this we only so see, funny we to only me. see the back of her head and we just hear muffled 80 yard lines going like, she's like, what's going on? And then like, oh. and Matthew and I were convinced that the reason why they did that is because they didn't want to pay an actor. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, they just had a PA lay there and like they were going to. And 80 yard her line. She never faces the camera. We do see her at the very end of the episode and she has one line where it's like, I knew you could do it, honey, or something like that. And Mike, I think they did that on purpose to make her a U5 so they wouldn't have to pay her a whole Explain lot. Explain what so. that means. An under five. So she says less than five lines. And so you and you you get to pay that person less. Instead of like casting it as like Marion, it'd be like Joe's mom. And it's like basically extras casting. Yes. Where you just and you get paid like I, that kind I'm of thing. I'm fully convinced that what what it is. It's very odd and kind of it's kind of hilarious. So anyway, he like drags bitchy old Mindy out of bed and they like go out they go out into the yard. And of course they see the gnomes running around and they like kind of half-heartedly scream and it's completely suspenseless. Yeah. And the gnomes sort of like chase them around and mumbling. They, can't understand a word if you listen saying. really 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 close and you have your face right up to the tv or computer or your phone i guess you can hear them kind of saying the things that the gnomes were saying in the basement of lawn lovely in the book where they're like what should we do with them But you can't it you can't really make it out. And then the gnomes and then there's more than the two. All of a sudden there's like three and four. There's like six gnomes gnomes all of a sudden in the yard and they start fighting each other. They're really, really angry, mean gnomes. And they sort of start like bickering at each other, and one of them drops their flashlight that they stole from Joe and Mindy. And Joe picks up the flashlight and the flashlight lands on one of them for a second and then they freeze. And then twice we get the the exposition from Mindy and Joe out loud saying, it's the light. The light is what freezes them. Yeah, the light. The so, light freezes them. So basically they try and run back inside the house while shining the flashlight on them. It makes no sense because the both the lawn is lit so brightly for TV yeah. that it's like, well... Mindy's like trying to look through the darkness and I'm like girl it's as bright as day outside so of course they get into the major's yard and the alarm goes off and the giant lights come on and the gnomes freeze and blah 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 and I want to point out a place where I think they're 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 skimping is one of the gnomes is a woman like a full sized woman hunched like Wearing vinyl clothes, hunched over, trying to look short. Yes, when, when they are, it is piss poor. When they are not the the paper papier mache um, gnomes props that were made, they're wearing shiny, shiny vinyl clothes. Anyway, so um, the major like sees the gnomes or whatever, and then this really strange thing happens where one of the gnomes, kind of frighteningly so, um, jumps up on the major, bears its pointy teeth, and then kind of just sinks down on top of the major and the major leaves frame cut to the next morning. And it's the day of the big, you know, lawn, lawn show. And so these, but I'm like, what did they bite him or like eat him? It like, doesn't make any sense. It's, it's kind of scary. It, it, it is frightening, but it, it's brainlessly frightening anyway. So like there's three ambiguous judges for this ambiguous Over garden. the top judges. And they're like, well, it was most difficult to just oh, the gnomes, which the whimsy and the fancy of the gnomes. And it doesn't make any sense. And they're like, you know, the family and we, we, we the family's final, just standing there waiting while the, while the while these three judges are walking around the yard. And the only the contestants yard. are, you know, the Burton family. And we see the mom, extra U5 mom saying, they go, I knew you could do it, honey. And that's like it for her. And then they're like, and Mr. Burton's like, I'm so glad you gave us the winning title or whatever. They're like, well, we were going to give it to you until we saw what else was in the yard. So ugly. And so they like, so disgusting. And the dad's like, what are you talking about? The gnomes? They're like, no, we love the gnomes. It's like, what, um, 
what do you mean? And so, so they're, they like, go, they're like, back here. And, and they follow the three judges and the family goes to look. And behind in the, bushes, the bushes, behind the bushes is a plaster gnome version of the major. And we get a crazy zoom up of its face and the episode's immediately over. However, what? still, it looks like shit. And the thumb is missing. Did you see that? No. He's saluting, but clearly the thumb had broken off when they were shooting because there's like, you can see where a thumb has fallen off or got knocked off. Oh. And that's the end of the episode. There, there was a moment where... Brainless. Where the... The, the judges reference the gnomes like no we like the gnomes and they they cut back to a shot of the gnomes yeah and it's a shot from earlier in the episode and they're one of the melon it's the same shot when they <laughs> when joe discovers the mel- melon seeds sticking out of chip's mouth crap lazy <laughs> it's lazy well i hope you guys like listening at least during uh, the Re- uh, revenge of the mischief elves um i really fun. liked the book i thought the book was silly and crazy and just by the numbers yeah it was it, it's it, but what's even better for sure is what we have coming up next up next is one of my one of yeah, my it's like all time yeah, favorites yeah it's what i think the movie should the second movie it's epic be. it's big it scares me it's it's it's, it's exciting it's sexy it's definitely my top in my top five for and sure. that's a shocker and shockster. Shocker and shockster. I can shocker. Next I time. cannot wait. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So we'll see you on Shock Street. <laughs> Tickle. Tickle. Fold them. Tug Tribble. of war. Tug of war. If you dare. <laughs>